0: Welcome back to Up The Villa podcast. This is our match preview for Manchester United, which now feels like the biggest game of the season. So we've brought out a big hitter for this one. Luis Miguel Echegaray is in the building. How are you?
1: Up The Villa. Look at this. The podcast looks amazing. You boys look amazing. We're going to get three points on Sunday. We'll get into that in a second. But it's an absolute pleasure to be back to talk about the greatest club the game has ever seen.
0: Thank you very much. So, big game, uh, potential to go 11 points clear of Man United, which would be absolutely massive. Um, But, last two home games have been not the best from Villa. What have you made of of, of the last two games at home for Aston Villa, Louis?
1: Well, listen, I think that you know as anybody that follows me and 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 reads or hears or watches my work knows that i'm the eternal optimist but i'm also like a realist and i try to combine the two so when i look at what's recently gone on we have to add a lot of context i think there's two components here and i think i'm specifically going to mention the midweek loss a uh, disastrous loss to Chelsea in the FA Cup and then looking ahead to Manchester United. I think it, it's very obvious that not having Pau Torres, not having Ezra Consa it, it is definitely a factor, including Lucas Dean as well. But I specifically focus on Consa and Pau Torres because the way that we play, which is, um, you know, we push high up, we like to control the tempo, but when we lose possession, when you have somebody like Pau Torres or Esri Conza, you can nullify what's coming your way before the opponent even knows it's coming. They're so good at timing things, specifically Pau Torres. And that hasn't happened uh, in the last few matches, mainly because of, of Pau. Now, injuries, clearly an issue. But I was a bit worried with the Chelsea game because, and, and Luca, I, I saw some of what you were saying, and I'm in complete agreement. I think some of the mistakes, were actually really amateurish. Um, I think I had a drinking game every time Bubba Kamara uh, did a misplaced pass. Like it was, it was just, it was not typical of him. Like you know, we know that he's one of the best defensive midfielders in the game in Europe, not just the Premier League. So that was something that was not being used to see how badly he was passing in that game. The other part of it was tracking. Behind, like the fullbacks, is like when Chelsea were coming forward and the ball went past Matty Cash or, or Alex Moreno, uh, and Nico Jackson was ch- chasing it. Douglas Luiz or whoever were not doing a good enough job to tracking that second mm-hmm. runner. That was another mistake. And then just like the midfield was just like the gaps were just bigger than McGinn's. Like behind, it was just ridiculous <laughs> how much we were giving them. And but the good news is. Is that those are things that can be easily rectified? Like mm. it was just like these things happen. I mean, not since Arsenal's un- in the undefe- undefeated season has a team ever gone throughout a season without like a ruckus, without losing a game. And I think this is ours. Quite simply, it wasn't the Newcastle game, which I thought was a tactical mistake by Unai Emery and a great job by Eddie Howe. So the Chelsea game, I think, was more about you know, yes, we're missing players, but it was just a lack of focus, a bit lazy. And I'm more than confident that things like what happened with Kamara's passing and not tracking our players and the midfield gaps are just not going to happen against Manchester United. I don't know what the result's going to be. I'm hoping for three points, obviously, and we're going to talk about it. But like, I don't want people to freak out because I, I think that there is such a thing as, you know, um, misplaced and misunderstood energy, specifically in that midweek game.
0: Yeah, I think you make some great points and that observation I made it as well about the, the midfield gap from the defence to the midfield and it, it's just too easy to, to play through and I think the, the thing that's sort of worried me a little bit, especially in the last two games, is how how easy we've become to play through a little bit and I just think, like you're saying as well, it, it's easily rectified with just with some little subtle tweaks really. I mean, you know... Against Man United, this is this is how I expect Man United to line up. But for me, the last two games, especially, we've been quite narrow, and I just feel like, um, especially, especially here now, you know, you've got Bailey quite narrow, Tielemans quite narrow, McGinn quite narrow, and for me, a subtle tweak that I would make is just make John McGinn and Bailey just a little bit more. Mm. compact with that midfield, make it become a four instead of a a two, two, two. And I think Mm. that will also enable us, especially out wide to be able to deal with the wide players, Bailey here as well, and I just think that that just that subtle tweak can can help us massively, and then we can press with a two if we need to. But I just yeah. think for me, the last couple of games, this two 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 has just left us open and isolated. With say like a Garnaccio against Moreno, Rashford against the Cash, um, that's just a subtle of tweak, all oh, right mate. Justin, what what would you sort of touch on what we've both mentioned?
2: It's been fascinating listening. To be fair, I've loved it, um, and I think the the, the point Louis makes about missing Torres at the back—he's a huge one—and and I don't think anybody underestimates what a big hole is left in the side. Everybody knows, since he's come in, really. I, I I thought he was a good player when he came in, but he's 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 amazed me just how good he is, and he's a leader from the back, and and that that sort of on the turnover when we got especially against Chelsea when when they did turn us over, and that reset that Louis highlighted is a huge factor if you've got somebody at the back that, that can 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 marshal the troops immediately and get everybody into positions where they should be, that makes it far easier then to combat what's coming at you. And because we've basically been thrown, and it's no fault of Diego Carlos's or Clement Longley's, that they are arguably, if everybody's fit, fourth and fifth choice centre-halves at Villa. But they're not bad fourth and fifth choice centre-halves. There's not many clubs that could play a quality of those two. But they just haven't got the skill set of... Of uh, Pau Torres and and we all know what Esri concert brings to the side. He's been unbelievable. You know, he's 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 a phenomenal, phenomenal footballer. So all of a sudden, we've got these two mainstays of our back four out, and 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 other teams are and and it's it's no conscious no, it's it's by this point now teams are looking very deeply into how we play, and they're starting to find ways of counteracting how we play. So. It's, it's just the involvement of football, isn't it? You know, you see this all of the time. Teams and top managers find ways of playing and then everybody watches it, looks at it and they involve it and then they work out how do we combat that. And the last two home games, Newcastle and Chelsea, we've been counted very, very easily. So I think it's down to Emery and I couldn't think of a better manager to have mm-hmm. in, in our dugout to combat What's happened, the new Nai Emery Emory, because he will then go away and he will not sleep, literally will not sleep until he now comes up with a way to stop teams countering us the way that they have been doing. You know, we saw earlier in this sort of poorer run of form against Sheffield United and teams that came with no real want or need to beat us. They just wanted to come and not lose to us. And the low block became a problem, didn't it, of us trying to break these teams down. Now we're seeing the opposite, where teams are countering us. And picking holes in our shape, and that's become a problem. So these two issues, they will, like you said, there will, there is, there is fixes for them, and I'm, I'm confident that that will happen. You know, because he will highlight it to the squad, and he will move players around. So I think Telemans needs to drop a bit deep. I don't think that worked with him playing off Ollie Watkins particularly, but then I don't think Leon Bailey works as as, as productive as he is on the right, coming off the right and cutting in, I don't think he's quite as good playing as a second striker. So there's tweaks there. There's lots of tweaks to have. And I'm confident that, that Unai can, can come up with another way of playing. So, Louis, moving on to Manchester United, what,
0: what have you made of of United this season? And how do you expect
1: this game to go? Well, Manchester United are an interesting story because of obviously what's gone on off the pitch and, and, and how Eric Ten Hag likes to formulate on it, right? Um, even, and I think two fundamental things, specifically looking ahead into this game, are going to be important to note. Number one, the noise that was happening with the Marcus Rashford drama uh, has gone away, now he's come back and like he's doing his thing. Garnacho's presence, very effective presence on on the width, is going to be a very very important thing for Aston Villa to look at. Um, listen, we're talking about Pau Torres and Longleat. I mean, and Ezri Conza, Sorry, uh, Balicha Martinez, Lisandro Martinez will not be playing in this game, so that's a big loss for them. So I think there are moments for Aston Villa to. To take advantage of at the back if we go back to the one where they came back three two which is basically like an almost annual occurrence manchester united coming back from behind to beat aston villa (laughs) um i think that was our own downfall to be honest it wasn't because they did anything specifically important or interesting it was because we just like let ourselves um we allowed ourselves to 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 get that danger to come in so this game specifically um i mean if you want you can throw that graphic back on because it was brilliant but when I look specifically at Manchester United and the things that they're going to try and do, well, here's a few. Number one, Luke Shaw's return to the lineup is massive. So you're going to see the same thing that we try and do with Matt or Alex Moreno pushing forward. So Luke Shaw is going to be in there trying to penetrate, trying to create those balls. It literally exactly what Alex Moreno tries to do. It's aside from the fact that, with all due respect to our beautiful Alex Moreno, Luke Shaw is a better defender coming back. So you're going to expect that on one side. Dallow as well is going to try and penetrate. Now, the key battle here for me is going to make sure that the midfield is extremely protected. So it goes back to your point, Luke, about making sure I don't like McGinn so much on the left because it just the reason why those gaps were happening against Chelsea was because the moment we lost the ball, there was number one, Douglas Luis was too deep. And Bubba Kamara was also too deep. And McGinn, who could easily fit in that role and protect. And when you have somebody like Bruno Fernandes, who's basically their architect, we have to make sure we protect that. Harry Maguire made a lot of mistakes against that West Ham game. So there's a lot for Ollie Watkins there to take advantage of. And Harry Maguire and Rafael Varane does not scare me as much as it probably would have done like a few years ago. So there is definitely an opportunity here for Ollie Watkins to get stuck in behind and for... I don't know. Is this the game where JJ comes back into the lineup? Where, you know, where perhaps Diaby, because of that goal, that consolation goal is going in midweek comes in. I-, I will say this about what's happened in the last game specifically, probably Newcastle. I disagreed with the wonderful Mr. Una Emery, and everybody knows how much I love the man, but I disagreed with him on a few things. It took him a long time for him to make changes uh, on Wednesday. And I think that. This is exactly the reason why we decided to keep Irogbunem. To make test yourself. We're losing. We're not doing well. Go out there and prove to everybody why you deserve a starting place or why you deserve to be ahead of somebody that's more experienced. The same thing with Jacob Ramsey. All right, you're fresh. You're good to go. Like He, he waited until the 70th plus minute to make changes. I don't want that to happen against Manchester United. And Eric Ten Hag will probably see the Pochettino blueprint and he kind of repeats mm. it a little bit where a counter-attacking off the ball kind of aggressive team was going to try and push. Hoyland is feeling more confident. So I like the lineup. I think that McGinn probably needs to drop a little deeper. And I wonder if now Jacob Ramsey take o- takes on the role uh, instead of somebody like Yuri Tillemans and we play around more in the midfield. But the most important thing is please solidify that midfield and get at Harry Maguire and Rafael Varane.
0: <laughs> You're getting me fired up. You're getting me fired <laughs> up for
1: it. I love it. Um, that's what I'm here Justin, for,
0: baby.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Justin, how, how are you feeling then going into it?
2: Yeah, I echo everything that, that, that Luis had said, really. I, I do I don't think we'll see a better double pivot performance against us than we saw for Chelsea. I thought Enzo Fernandez and Cosado were absolutely incredible. After, after the first ten minutes, once they got a foothold in the game, they literally run the show, and it's something we have seen so many times from us with our double pivot with Lewis and, and 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 Kamara. So you know, can Man United replicate that? Because everything that came from from Chelsea in the cup game was from them too. You know, that's 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 why our formation works so well because the two in the double pivot in the 60s, they just control the game. And once they've got a hold of the game, they're dictating the pace, they're dictating the play, they're dictating the press, they're dictating sitting back. And like Louis said, they were out of position against Chelsea and and the two for Chelsea just ran the show and they just picked passes. They found little through balls, they were playing through the lines. And with the four in front of them, MacQuade is it McQuaid-y, um <clears throat> Jackson, a, a, a kind of Gallagher—they they look like world beaters. They literally look like the Barcelona front four from back ten yeah, years. Yeah, Pochettino
1: saves his absolute yeah. best when he plays against Villa. It's ridiculous. Yeah,
2: it's it's you know I've got my friends on the Chelsea fancast, and I've been speaking to them today. And that they literally said that is the best they have seen Chelsea play—not just this season, but for a long, long time. So I can't see Man United replicating that level against us because i thought chelsea's level against us was excellent as you know, was off it no question and, and we didn't help ourselves no question about that but i don't know if the chelsea the man united double pivot you know very inexperienced man, manu is it um and obviously casemiro very good player and i don't think they've got the cover that chelsea afforded them at the back either uh, i think like you say harry Maguire. He's Harry Maguire. And I don't think Verani's the player that he was. So I think there is definitely opportunities to get at them. We've got to up our level. Our level across the 11 was about five out of 10. And I'm being generous against Chelsea. We need to get back to a, a combined level of about eight again, which is where we were pretty much consistently for the first two, three months of the season, which is why we saw, saw such amazing results week in, week out performances. When we, ca- we became... You know, used to it. We were just expected to turn up and play very well every week. And that that just doesn't happen over a season. You know, we're not the finished article. So I'm very hopeful that, that the things that have gone wrong over the last two home games will be ironed out. I think they'll all know their job come the kick-off against Man United. And I don't see Man United replicating how good Chelsea were. They're in good form. And the front four does worry me without question. Hoyland started scoring. The two wingers, Gonacho and uh, the young lad the other side, uh, Rashford, sorry. Um, they're good. And as much as we hate Bruno Fernandes, he does have quality, doesn't he? So for me, it's it's the battle of the two sixes, who comes out on top of that. If, if they're to dominate, we could be in trouble. If we can get hold of it early and dominate the game, and then we can release our players in the final third to do the damage, that's how I see the game going, battle of the midfield.
0: Yeah, talking about battle in the midfield, I just want to get your insight, Lewis, on on this, the battle in midfield. Something that I've noticed recently is that two teams, Newcastle and Chelsea, man for man, Aston Villa on goal kicks now. And we know in our build-up play that that Luisa and Kamara are quite important to retrieving the ball and, and, and moving it and working and getting Villa ticking. I think in this game, there's a possibility that we could go a little bit longer. We we saw that against Newcastle, but it was just too high. It was it was too it was sort of like the derby to was in the air against Dan Byrne. I yeah. think if it goes to feet a little bit more, you know, especially to McGinn at times, we can bypass this a little bit. And I think we are just coming under a little bit too much pressure. And and I think with Casemiro and Maynou... Again, against Kamara and Luis, well, I want your sort of insight on on how we're playing
1: out from the back at the minute. Yeah, good question, Luke. Listen, I, I'm going to tell you something. It begins. It begins with our center backs, and, and that's why we miss Pau Torres so much. Uh, we were talking; Justin was talking about Lenglet a, a, a second ago, and the thing about him and l- l- full credit because you know he, he he hasn't shied away from from getting that starting role, and, and he's done some good. Long passes. But the key difference between a Pau Torres and a Longlet is that when Pau Torres has the ball, he kind of plays like a midfielder. He's very comfortable with the ball. So when you usually watch highlights of him, you'll see drive up the pitch from a you know, release from uh, Diego Martinez. And he'll just keep going until he finds that trigger. And then, boom, he'll just pass it. If you watch the highlights against Chelsea, Longlet hesitated multiple occasions to keep going. And it's very important for our defenders, for our center backs, to keep going just a little bit. Trust yourself a little bit because the, the Unai Emery system relies on triggers. We have to wait a little bit. So what happens is Divo Martinez has the ball and he waits to see the shape of the opponent. So I'm expecting Manchester United to be very similar to Chelsea. I'm going to press the moment the ball uh, it, it goes to that first pass and maybe your back is towards the goal. If I don't press, I'm going to watch what you do. And that's where Longlet hesitated. So it begins there. So if, if we can be much more proactive and not reactive, mm-hmm. let's say Longlet starts this game, which I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'm i 50-50 and we're going to have to wait for the presser on, on, on Friday from Unai, but let's say he starts the game. He needs to be more comfortable bringing the ball forward as close to the midfield as possible. We go wide, Alex Moreno on one side, mati Cash on the other. And this is where the double pivot is very important because Douglas, Luis, and Kumara have to be very quick. One of the things that I noticed specifically against Newcastle and Chelsea is that we're hesitating too much. Not the first touch, but the second. And when you have a Pochettino system that's in your face, when you have an Eddie Howe system that was also in your face, when you have an Eric Ten Hag system that's also going to be in your face, your pass better be first touch or your first touch better be cleaner than water, my friend. Otherwise, they're going to get that ball from us. So, I'm exp- so that's why... I agree with you that I think that we need to be a little bit tighter in the midfield so there's more options. There's more triangular passing. Because the other part that was happening is once we were 2-0 down against Chelsea, Diego Carlos was trying to hit and hope to get that ball long to Ollie Watkins. And like you said, I think if we do that, it might be a little bit of an issue because Harry Maguire is a big unit and so is Rafael Varane. If we can play to feed, that's what we can make sure it, it goes well. That's why i really kind of want jacob ramsey in this starting 11. because i feel like he might be able to help with that carrying the ball forward and just getting those triggers open so it's going to be very interesting but our system's not going to change when emery has said it from day one like we we might evolve from it we might play around with it but we're always going to be play from the back try and push the ball get the center backs to drive it, go wide, then a one-two with McGinn. Like he tried, we he tried to do that three times. The best moments came with McGinn, a first time touch to Alex Moreno and trying to get across. We're going to see that again against Manchester United. The question will be, can we be crisper? Can we be cleaner with it? That's why Kamara and Douglas Luiz better be on it. Like Justin said, we just need to be a little bit crisper. now. I think we're going to be, but, my God, like, I just I miss Pau Torres so much in the starting <laughs> eleven.
2: Yeah, we I all think, do. Um, we all do. I, I do. I do think there was a slight change. I do, I, do, I totally agree with Luis. I think I think that is our way of playing, and that will never change. But I do think the the long ball against Newcastle was a slightly different attempt to to, to maybe change things up. And, and and as much as it became very frustrating because it didn't come off, you could sort of see what they were trying to do. We saw. Uh, John McGinn the season before have a lot of joy on Damper and then they changing it up and had had, um, the RB on him and I think they were just trying to drop the ball over the top and use his pace thinking well he's much more mobile than Damper so if we could just get it round the back or over the top he's going to be in the frustration came when they repeatedly tried to do it and they couldn't pull it off but I do think that midfield has to to somehow you know it sort of needs to be a box midfield either with the four starting or I do agree with you a Jacob Ramsey in his prime gets in our 11, our first eleven. I think, because of that ball-carrying ability he does have. But if we do stick with the four in midfield and then we play two up top, whoever those two are, I would imagine it would be Bailey and, and, and um, Watkins. The four in midfield, Telemans, McGinn, uh, Lewis and, and um, Kamara, have to just be more... It, it, we either play the way we play, like you're saying, and the first touch has to be great and the second touch is a pass and then the movement, they've got to be a bit tighter and that by doing that your full backs have then got to engage and become the outlets going which Newcastle and um, and Chelsea managed to do very well against us it's a battle of wits and wills really you know they can see how we can be got at can we counter it and can we be better i think that's the thing we know our levels are very high if we're all better i think we still win the game
0: yeah, so we'll have a little look then at some of the numbers then. Um, Some of them won't be good reading because we know what we like against Man United, but we've got some positives here, so we'll kick it off. Villa are fourth, United a sixth. Uh, we are averaging 2.1 goals per game in the Premier League. They're averaging 1.3. We're conceding 1.3 and they're conceding 1.4. They've lost nine games. We've lost five. Form guide, Villa's form goes into this slightly better than Manchester United's. And this is where the reading's not so great. Premier League era played 57 times, seven. yeah, three home <laughs> wins and 17. We all get away it, yeah. so yeah, not great. This one, not so much either. Um, this graphic I just wanted to touch on as well. It shows you the, the passing network against West Ham for Manchester United. It really picks up on Louis' point about Luke Shaw going forward. Um, again, you can see that their sort of midfield, Casemiro and Mainu, are instrumental to everything for them going forward. Garnacho, Rashford offering that width on both sides. But, you know, there are areas here to exploit when they do overcommit, especially behind Luke Shaw and Dallow. Um, This graphic, I really like this one as well, shows the team's styles. So, as you can see, Manchester United are in the fast and direct but a passing with a sequence of higher uh, than teams like Everton and West Ham. And then Villa are edging closer now towards more slow and intricate. For most parts of this season, we've been sort of slap bang in the middle of fast and direct and slow and intricate. But now we're moving towards more slow and intricate as well. Um, this was West Ham's passing network against Manchester United. So you know, West Ham played quite well in this game. Um, you can see where West Ham attacks Manchester United predominantly down that right-hand side uh, and through the left-hand side. The West Ham shot map in this game. West Ham with a blue and lost 3-0. Man United with the red uh, and won 3-0. You can see that West Ham got more shots off. And this was the XG with shots by the minute. So again, you can see that West Ham were pretty dominant in this game. Um, This graphic I want to highlight as well, and it shows Villa's build-up attacks to direct attacks this season. So Aston Villa's build-up attacks are 58 and 55. And in comparison, you can see from Arsenal, they are 118 in build-up attacks and direct attacks 37. So you can see that Villa are quite close between mixing it up with building up possession-based football, but also quick and direct as well. So maybe potentially we could edge towards the quick and direct against United, like we were saying about going a bit longer. If if United are going to sort of try and hit us on transition. Maybe we can try and do the same to them. Um, And then we've got XG by open play. Villa's XG this season is 31.34. Goals are uh, 34. So we are kind of outscoring our XG from uh, open play. And then we've got set piece goals here as well. So Aston Villa have I got an xg from set pieces of 0.59 and we are at an xg of nine so louis i really want to just finally get your insights on the recruitment policy of villa um you know what did you make of villa's new direction that we went through in the summer in
1: the january window sorry Yeah, I mean, obviously, it was going to be limited to, you know, sustainability rules and financial fair play, and it just wasn't going to be, you know, this is the thing about the January transfer window, um, specifically this one. People were, uh, you know, why aren't we getting eggs or why or whatever? Well, it's because they cost a lot of money, and we have to (laughs) prove to the rules. And also, we have to remember something. We don't have no, like, this is the first time in a very long time in fact, I would say ever in the Premier League, and I mean, I, I you know, been following this club for a very, very long time. But I, this is the first time when we have a manager that's so good. One of his assets, one of his strengths in his resume in Unai is he finds somebody and he makes them better, like just mm. straight boom. And that's Morgan Rogers, and I, I just think it was just such a good acquisition, a for the money that he cost, because it was. Oh, it's, gonna, it's only going to push up to about 15 million pounds if all the add-ons are hit. And some of them are, are very unlikely to happen. B, because of his age. But C, because he fits all the categories and all the characteristics that Villa want to do. They need a, a winger that can also be an attacker, that can also be a second striker, that's eager, that's quick, that's smart. That's Morgan Rogers, And it was done at a really good price. And now he's young and he's gonna to continue to evolve. So I was very happy with that. I was, listen, for a very long time, I've been worried about our strikes, strikers opportunities, especially since Cam Archer left. And for a very long time, I actually saw, thought Jon Duran, you know, who has been a victim of a lot of criticism, but obviously as you guys know, and if everybody that follows me on social, I've, I've added a lot of context on what's going on, but he's somebody that I really thought should have gone on loan um, away from the Premier League, just get used to Europe because he went from Colombia to Major League Soccer to England. That's not easy. And this is a very young kid, 19 years old, 20 years old. So I wanted him to go on loan. And then that's where I think we should have been more aggressive uh, even oh. earlier than the January transfer. When they trying to get another striker that could maybe be more ready. Right. But because I'm telling you, the, the talent in Yon Adar Duran is there. It's just that I wanted us to be more patient. Obviously, he's injured now till April. Um, and, and you know, uh, from the reports and the rumors that we were also looking for other players as well. I mean, we got the Australian goalkeeper, Joe Gacci, who's fantastic. And he shares mm-hmm. a lot of similarities yeah. to the Evil Martinez. So that's a great acquisition. And I trust in what Monchi's doing. I think another right back, uh, obviously, would have been beneficial because I just, you cannot. Over rely on Esri Concert to always have that role. Um, he, and with Matty Cash, because he commits himself so much that the injury prones are likely to be there. But overall, given the limitations, given the financial restraints, I'm happy with it. I mean, a lot of it is going to depend on where we end at the end of the season, but the summer is going to be another very, very big season. That, Una Emery has said it, and I agree, and I have my own sources. And, you know, in order to get some really big and good and opportunistic incomings, we have to expect some, I wouldn't say our most important players in terms of outgoings, but, you know, we can't be too emotionally attached to everybody. This is a football club, but it's also a business. So I think Morgan Rogers, really good money, a lot of potential. He could even do something as early as this Sunday so I'm happy overall. Like we just have to be realistic about where we are in the Premier League, both from a financial perspective, from a footballing perspective. And you know we're not Man City, we're not Liverpool, we're not even you know uh, Arsenal yet. Like we are still trying to build up and create something. It's the same reason why Arsenal didn't get Ivan Tony or or another striker. The money is just not there because you have to meet to the sustainability rules, which as we understand it from recent reports, are going to change once again. So overall, I'm happy. Um, and we just you know, got the luck of the draw that we're getting a lot of injuries right now. But I'm very confident that the health will come back and we'll be stronger for it. But we have a manager that makes every single player better (laughs) name me a player aston villa fans and look at his trajectory from now to the end leon bailey's about to get a brand new contract literally it's about to happen anytime soon in terms of an official announcement and he is the perfect example of what happens when you're patient and you have a manager that tells you exactly what he wants from you and how to develop so just trust the process i'm a next fan so i hate doing this from a philadelphia
2: standpoint (laughs) Well, the yeah, player. the oh, most oh. <laughs> yeah, I back. Can I can I ask? Lewis one question. Just one question. Mm, no, no. Just based on your uh, on, on the Man United average position going through all those things, what they seem to be very very down the left hand side. Everything goes down the left hand side. What would you do on Sunday with our right back? Obviously, if conscious fit, he probably plays there. If Pau Torres is back, so you'd have the back three, the two, the three centre half things. Would you stick with Cash? as he did get isolated quite a lot and they did take advantage of that position. If that, if Man United are going to attack very heavily down the left, given what we've got available, would you stick with Cash or would you go with a Carlos? I mean, the only options really are Carlos Chambers, which I don't Chambers see right? Yeah. Or the only um, other one which I threw in the mix on Twitter I Iragona, yeah.
1: <laughs> No, I saw that. I think. I mean, it's, it's good to to go out there and try and experiment something. He's a young kid that wants to impress himself. I worry a little bit because it's not really his position. He's more like a like a DM, a cover for for that center mid role. Listen, what you're going to see on the left side from Manchester United is going to be almost identical to what we saw from Pochettino and Chelsea. I don't know if they're going to apply it as well. Because remember, matty Cash was dealing with a lot of left-side attack and, and, and Ben Chilwell was also giving a lot of effort on that side. And it's what I said earlier, right? Yes, um, worried about Ezra Kons on that right side. Um, but Diego Carlos saved us a lot of times in that Chelsea game doing a lot of clearances. But one of the reasons why they were exploiting that left-side Chelsea was because the second run was not being followed. And that's Douglas Luiz's responsibility, or Bubba Camara's, depending on where they are. I love Douglas Luiz, obviously, one of the best players in that position that we have seen in modern history of Aston Villa. But if you, Matty Cash, what happens is he goes forward. He loses the ball, and that run in behind, right? Nico Jackson had like three years to make crosses. And that's (laughs) because we need our defensive midfielders to be on it, or at least Diego Carlos to be quicker on it. So, I think that what's going to happen is we're going to see the same thing. Matty Cash will be on that right side purely because Ezra Conz is injured. I don't think he's going to trust Callum Chambers to take that role against Manchester United. I think Carlos United.
2: could play there, Luis. If, if, if As Torres the right is fit he's to start, well, to play that, if Torres is fit to start, hypothetically, I know that would leave us with two left footed centre halves with long lay. And, if, yeah, if Paul Torres can start, Torres. yes, I trust yeah. him
1: to be there. Yes, I do. I trust him to be there. The only worry for me about Diego Carlos is his speed. And when you have Luke Shaw and maybe Mainu as well, who's just a tremendous young player from Manchester United who might want to venture on that left side as well. And then you've got, of course, Rashford and Garnacho. Like, I worry a little bit about the speed of Manchester United because the ten Hag system sometimes waits for you to make a mistake and then, boom, they counter. So, but I do think, like... I guess the question is, what's more important? Starting Pau Torres <laughs> or, yes. or, 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 or making sure, right? <laughs> that, that's the most important thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be Pau yeah. Torres on the left, I think. And oh, you nice. could see a situation where Diego Carlos uh, covers in that spot. But to me, we just have to make sure that Douglas, Luis, and Kamara, that double pivot needs to be on it, on it, on yeah. it. Because yeah. the biggest problem with a right back with Matty Cash's situation is that we are encouraging to go forward, but that run behind. It's not going to work if we don't have Douglas Luiz or Bubba uh, Bubba Kamara covering, which they had a terrible game. Kamara was awful, and he's amazing. And he's not going to repeat that on Sunday. It's not going to happen.
0: Yes. Loved it. Loved having you on. Right. Before you go, score prediction then. Um, (laughs) Basically, I've done an opposition preview with a very big Manchester United channel. That's okay. coming out on Saturday. So I've already said on that that it's going to be 2-2. Two, two. I recorded it before. The oh, you're Chelsea giving it game. a draw. Okay, all right. Yeah. So I've got I've got to stick with what I said a couple of days <laughs> ago. So I'm going 2-2. Two, two. Um, I, I feel like a draw is not a bad result in the big, big picture. Keeps the gap to eight points.
1: Uh, but what are you going with, Louis? <sighs> well, listen. I think people need to remember that, let's see, we, when we beat Middlesbrough in, on January 6th in the FA Cup and then that Everton game where we should have won, it was just like ridiculous that we didn't. But we didn't. It's okay. Fair play. After that, it was a nil-nil against Chelsea and then the terrible disaster of Newcastle and, and Chelsea on Wednesday. But in between that, my friend, was a 5 nothing result against Sheffield United. I get it. But under the table, but it was a reaction. I'm expecting another reaction. And I'm expecting an Aston Villa win. And I'm expecting a 3-1 win. Like, I, I think that Aston Villa are going to be up for this. Woken up. Manchester United have recently done well, and I'm worried about all their weapons and assets. But I think Licha Martinez, Lissandro Martinez's absence is a key thing because Ollie Watkins is going to look at Harry Maguire and Rafael Varane and he's going to say, I'm going to outpace you every single time. Play the ball to me and I'll do it. So I really think that it's going to be one of these games where uh, Villa just says, enough of this nonsense, let's get to it. 3-1 to Aston Villa, thank you very much.
0: Love it. Justin's probably going to back you up with a 5-0. So, Justin, what are you going with? <laughs> Look,
2: if it's good enough for Luis, it's good enough for me. 3-1. <laughs> That's what I'm having.
0: Love <laughs> it. So, thank you, everybody. I'll put Luis Miguel Etchegaray's socials in the description. Go and follow him. He spoke utter sense for 37 minutes, and he talks it on... <laughs> Twitter, X, all his socials, so go and follow him on there. Uh, so for Score, best football app going, make sure you download it. You can um, scan the QR code on the screen and the link will be in the description as well. Helps this channel out massively. So if you've enjoyed this episode, then the, the least you can do is download that app. So thanks, everybody. Up the villa. Up the villa. Up.